All right. Well, good afternoon. I uh, appreciate you joining me, whether uh, it's afternoon or morning, evening, whatever time it is for you. If you're watching me live, good to have you here. Uh, if you are watching this at another time, thank you for taking the time to uh, to to spend time in God's Word studying with me. Uh, we're still looking at the uh, Ten Commandments, but before we get into this commandment, we're going to be looking at the third one today from Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, so you can get uh, there in your Bibles. But a special word of thank you uh, for uh, last week. I missed uh, last Wednesday's podcast uh, somewhat unexpectedly. Uh, I had planned to be out uh, the Sunday before uh, the my church in Florida that I'd pastored at previously asked me to come back and preach their homecoming service, so that was in the works to do. Uh, The original plan was to leave on Friday, come back on Monday, but on Friday before we left to go to Florida, I found out my uncle had passed away in Ohio, and so Susan and I still did the trip up to or down to Florida. Uh, but we came back a little early from that, and then I packed up, and on Monday morning, uh, hit the road, and I went up to Ohio, and I was gone all week long and ended up missing last Sunday as well. So I just want to say a special word of thank you. Mark Rogers filled in and did last week's podcast for me, and I appreciate Greg Lauderback and others filling in and stepping up uh, last Sunday as I had to be gone uh, for a second Sunday. So uh, it feels like a while since I've been in here in uh, uh, in this chair leading Bible studies, but I'm glad to be back and looking forward to uh, spending a little bit of time looking at God's Word together with you. So let's go to Lord in prayer, uh, and then we're going to jump into this third commandment here uh, this afternoon together. Let's pray. Father, I come before you right now, and I thank you for your Word. Uh, Lord, thank you for the truth that you give to us in your Word, and uh, for these Ten Commandments uh, that uh, are those beautiful boundaries for us. As your Word says, uh, as the psalmist prayed there in Psalm 119, open our eyes that we may see the wonderful things, the beautiful things in your law. Help us to see and understand uh, the beauty of what you've given to us here uh, in these commandments, and then live them out faithfully for you. It's in Christ's most holy name that uh, we pray all these things. Amen. Uh, Well, as I prayed my prayer just a moment ago, that uh, Psalm 119 verse 18 is a theme verse for this study, uh, as really as it should be for all of our study in God's Word. Uh, The psalmist prayed there uh, that God would open his eyes so that he would see the wondrous things that God has given to him in in his law. Uh, God gives us these commands not as something to keep us from experiencing life, to, uh, to keep us from enjoying life. God is not the cosmic killjoy that some people uh, make him out to be. God is really trying to say, here's how you can really benefit and truly enjoy life uh, here on earth. There's going to be times of struggle. There's going to be times of difficulty. There's going to be pain and suffering. Even last week, wasn't here because of the death of a family member. Uh, and so those are difficult times. But when we understand who God is and what God desires to do for us, uh, we see the beauty in what He's commanded us to do, and and we're going to get the most out of this life uh, by obeying His Word and following His laws. Uh, That's where we find the beauty of it. And so that's the the heart behind these commandments as we look at them. Again, this is not a checklist uh, for us to be saved, uh, as even these commands bring out. Uh, The people were redeemed by God first, and then He said, if you want to faithfully follow me, if you want to experience me fully, here's the boundaries I'm going to give you. Here's the beautiful boundaries that I give so that you can live for me fully. And that's what we're looking at here in these Ten Commandments. And so we come to the third one uh, today. Uh, It's just one verse, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, and that verse teaches tells us this. Uh, It says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Uh, Now, 
talking about the name of God and, and, and the power of a name. When I think about the power uh, of of names. This is just a simple illustration, and this falls well short of the power in God's name. Uh, but uh, I did share earlier today when I taught this uh, at the 10 o'clock Bible study uh, that uh, I had a my easiest job interview ever was when I worked at a hospital up in Cleveland. I was in between colleges. I was taking a year off to earn some money, and I needed the job. And we had a friend that was in the human resources division uh, at one of the major hospitals there in, in Cleveland. Uh, so we called him up and said, listen, you know, I'm, I'm coming home for a year. You know, Is there anything that I might could do just to earn a little bit of money? This isn't a career for me. This is just something to uh, be able to earn enough money to go back to college. And so I talked to him, and he said, sure, you know, there's, there's, there are always needing help in uh, patient transportation. So uh, uh, he said, I'll set it up for you. And so he gave me a number to call, and I called the number uh, and uh, talked to the lady on the other end of the phone. I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm Dan Hughes, and uh, uh, so, you know, this gentleman told me to give you a call. And she said, oh, yes, I, I got the information about you. Uh, he said, when you call to tell you you're hired. <laughs> so that's all I had to do for that job. I, I didn't have to interview, didn't have to go through a process, and I did have to do the paperwork and all those things. But he knew me. Uh, he knew uh, that I would do a good job, that I would be a good fit for this job uh, as a temporary thing for, for a little over a year is when I worked it. And so because of his name, because of his position, uh, all I had to do was call up and I was hired. I went and met my boss uh, and talked to him, and it worked out great. I enjoyed thoroughly and learned a great deal from that job over a year and a half, not just how to get around that hospital and take people from point A to point B, but really much about ministry. And, and God used that time in a mighty way. But that simple power of that power of that name because of his position uh, in the hospital uh, and because he knew me, I was able to get that job really without any kind of interview at all, just uh, telling him I was there. And she said, come on in and sign the papers. So, so now names can be powerful. Uh, and names mean a lot to us. When we think about it just on a human level, uh, our names are what identify who we are. When somebody says, who are you? Usually the first thing comes out of our mouths is, is our name. I'm Dan Hughes. Um, sometimes we'll talk a little bit about who we are in relation to our jobs and all, but our, our names are what gives us an identity. Uh, parents oftentimes will uh, struggle over, what do we name our child? Uh, sometimes it's a, a family name that's been passed down. Uh, sometimes it has relationship to uh, somebody special or specific. Um, uh, it has meaning and it has power. And so a lot of times we can find out much about a person uh, based upon why they were named what they were named, but it gives us that identity. And so there's, there's power in that. There's power in knowing somebody's name and calling somebody's name. It's so important when we meet people to do our best to make sure that we put a name and a face together so that we can uh, know who that person is. So when we look at this third commandment, uh, God is making this command here. He says, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Now, this fits with all the other commandments. These commandments are, to a degree, a progression of how we're to follow God. The very first commandment, and I've said it before, if we can get the first commandment right, the other's more naturally fall into place. Uh, if we try to start somewhere in the middle without getting the first one right, we're really not going to get any of them right. The very first commandment is, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods besides me or before me. God's saying, I'm the only God. Uh, it's not God plus others. 
He says, you worship me and worship me alone. So that first commandment is about who we worship. The second commandment talks about not making any graven images. Uh, And so at the heart of that commandment is that we are not to worship creation, uh, something that we make, either physically make or even make up ideologically in our minds. We're to worship the one true living God, the creator God, the sustainer God, the God who is still in control of this world. Uh, he, He created it and he continues to work in it actively work in it. That is who we worship. And so we cannot worship creation. We worship the creator of creation. Uh, and so those that's the first two commandments. So we come to this third commandment, and it says, all right, so how are we supposed to respect the creator God? If we're going to put him first and foremost in everything we say and do, if we're going to worship him and him alone and not make any kind of images of him, then how do we truly respect God? So the boundary in this commandment here uh, is that there is a wrong way to use God's name. Uh, we, we can uh, take God's name and use it in a way that will not truly bring him the glory, honor, and respect that he truly deserves. The beauty of this commandment, as we're talking about beautiful boundaries, uh, is that when we stay in that boundary, when we stay in that lane of using God's name properly, then we are going to honor God and we're going to experience his blessings. Uh, We're going to experience all that he desires to give to us. Uh, And so I took this commandment, and a lot of times we look at these commandments and say, why are they always negative? And, you know, do not, don't do this, don't do that. Uh, And and a lot of these commandments, well, I I took this and I put it in a Dan Revised Standard Version. I put it in a positive context and maybe give us a better, uh, another way of looking at what God is calling us to do here. Uh, He says, my version of this in a positive statement is, you shall use the name of the Lord your God reverently. For the Lord will bless those who revere his name. I truly believe that's at the heart of what this commandment is talking about. Now, I'm not saying I'm better than what God wrote and what God commanded Moses, but just trying to think through what is this command really calling us to do. So let's dig into that here together for just a few moments uh, this today as we look at this. What does it mean to misuse God's name? It's at the heart here is don't take the Lord your God's name in vain. Now, growing up, uh, and many of you may have had the same experience, uh, I understood this, um, in, in, and, I th- and I was even taught this, was that you're not supposed to use any kind of cursing or profanity at all. And, and I agree with that, that we should not, profanity is inappropriate, Uh, But that's not really at the heart of this passage. It's not just just talking about using vulgar language or profanity. Again, we shouldn't use that. When when we use profanity, really it just shows, uh, reveals a person's lack of vocabulary uh, and not knowing what else to say, the inability to really articulate what you want to say uh, in a different way. And so we regress to some of those profane words. Uh, now, again, there are certain ways that we can use profanity that uh, uh, denies God's name, but at the heart of this is not just about cussing. It's not just about using profanity, and actually it goes much deeper than that uh, and much broader than that. God's command uh, for us here is to really focus our attitude about who God is 
and then also our presentation of God to others. So, so it has to do with the heart, and it has to do with the hands. It has to do with what we, how we respect God and how we revere God, how we view Him, uh, as well as then that will ultimately say how we present Him to others, what others think about God and, and view God. Uh, the King James Version of, of this translation, also the New American Standard, uses the word vain, uh, where it says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Uh, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who has taken his name in vain. Uses it twice. That word for vain uh, means something that is empty, uh, something that has no value and, and is ultimately worthless. Uh, and so it's saying we cannot make God's name something that doesn't have power and, and might. Uh, whenever I think of that word Vain, and I know this is just a silly uh, illustration, but uh, remember growing up as a, as a child, you know, enjoyed Easter and enjoyed getting my Easter baskets that my mom uh, would put together for us every uh, Easter. One of the things that I always uh, uh, checked out first was the uh, Easter chocolate that I got. I usually got some kind of a bunny or maybe it was an egg or something like that um, that was made out of chocolate. Now, some of them that I got... I didn't really like a whole lot because they were just the shell of chocolate and there was nothing in there. So you'd bite into it and it'd break all into pieces uh, because there was no real support. It was just the shell of chocolate and it was just filled with, with air. I, I never liked those. <laughs> that was something that to me that was vain. It was empty. It really didn't have anything. When I get chocolate, I want something that has some meat to it. Okay, I want full chocolate. I want chocolate all the way through. Uh, it could even be a couple different kinds of chocolate if you want, but I don't want chocolate that's just a shell with nothing inside of it. I want to bite into chocolate and have it be solid. Well, that word vain uh, carries that connotation of, of that empty shelled chocolate. It, 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 has a, it looks good, but it's just a shell and there's really nothing there. It's ultimately worthless or something of no value. Now, we understand uh, about things that are, that are vain uh, and making something worthless. And God's saying, do not make my name worthless. I uh, can't help but think also this time of the year as I'm uh, giving this lesson here, we're less than a week away from our uh, presidential election, the 2020 presidential election, uh, not just president, but uh, senators and uh, a lot of other elected officials that are uh, on the ballot coming up in next Tuesday. And so we're seeing a lot of ads, we're seeing a lot of commercials, we're seeing a lot of um, promotions um, all over the place. And sadly, uh, a vast majority of those uh, ads are basically dragging the other candidate's name through the mud. They're trying to tear them down. They're trying to devalue that person. Uh, we understand the worm word, uh, the phrase saying, dragging somebody's name through the mud. Well, that's devaluing somebody. That's uh, taking their name in vain. It's, it's uh, making them worthless, trying to destroy them. I really wish we could be in politics. I wish the candidate would just be able to lift themselves up and say, this is what I believe, and this is what I'll do, and this is how I'll accomplish this, without having to try to tear down and destroy the other person. Uh, very rarely do I see a positive political ad from either side, uh, and it doesn't matter what party you're with. Uh, all of them tend to go negative. Uh, they try to drag somebody's name through the mud. They try to devalue that person by tearing tearing them down and saying that this person really is not going to accomplish anything for you, and uh, they're ultimately worthless, and so that's why you should vote for me, because they're, they're not worth it. Uh, well, that's at the heart of what it means to, to be vain. 
uh, now on a much larger scale, not a political uh, scale, God is saying, do not do that to my name. Do not do that by the words you use, uh, and do not do that by the actions uh, that you live out uh, in my name, uh, according to my name. Uh, And so we need to be very careful about how we use God's name, uh, because it is of great value. Uh, It is uh, of supreme value. And so as I thought about that, I I went back to what Christ taught his disciples to do. They asked his disciples, uh, I chose to look at Matthew chapter 6 out of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, The disciples said, teach us to pray. We want to know how we're supposed to properly come before our God. what, What should we do? And so Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, uh, Jesus gives them this. He says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now we're not going to look at that whole prayer, but I just want to fixate on for a moment or two the, those first two phrases that Christ says, as you go, bo- go before your heavenly Father, as you go before him in prayer, uh, requesting his presence, requesting his guidance in your life, how are you to address him? And in the first phrase, he says, address him as our Father. Uh, that term, our Father, uh, is, is a term of respect and authority. Uh, we all have earthly fathers, and we'll get to it in a few weeks. Uh, one of the commandments tells us to honor our mother and our father, uh, to make sure that we respect them properly. Uh, we'll talk more in depth about what that looks like, but when you address somebody as father, you're saying that you have authority over me, um, and I'm going to respect that authority. Now, we have a heavenly father who is a perfect heavenly father. We'll get to that in just a second. Um, But he says, address him as your father. Not only is it a term of respect and authority, but when you say our father, uh, you are talking about a term of relationship, that that you're related to him, that you're part of who he is. Um, And so, God is, or Jesus is establishing really part of the heart of what comes out in that third commandment. Make sure you don't take the Lord's name in vain, the Lord your God's name in vain. Give him the proper respect that is his due because he is your heavenly father. Uh, He is the creator of heaven and earth. He's the creator of you uh, and who you are and where you are. And so you address him with that respect. So he says, start out by our Father, uh, who art in heaven. And then he says, hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Uh, His name is to be revered, to be consecrated, uh, to be set apart. When we pray to the God of heaven, we recognize that he's not like anything here on earth. Uh, That goes back to the second uh, commandment. That's why we can't make any kind of graven image. We can't create God in our image in any way, whether it's a thought or whether it's a physical object, because we're going to fall so pitifully short of who God is, and and, and the creation cannot ever equal the creator. Uh, and so we are to recognize that he is completely separate, even though he's involved in this world, he's separate from this world. Uh, and so we recognize his holiness, his perfection in all that he is. And so Jesus here at the very beginning of this model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, He is helping the disciples, and he's helping us as we read it today, to understand how to respect God, 
oftentimes we use the Acts model uh, of prayer here in our church for different things. Uh, and that Acts model is just simply this. You start with adoration, then you go to confession, you go to thanksgiving, and then you go to supplication. Uh, oftentimes when we go to God in prayer, we're going ultimately with the with the idea of supplication. God, I need something. Either I need something from you for myself or for somebody else. And so we're supplicating from God. We're petitioning God to intervene in a certain way. And that's perfectly acceptable. That, that, that's what we are called to do as we go before God. But that comes down the line in, in this prayer sequence here. We start with adoration. We start with adoring who God is. Most Wednesdays, I start our prayer time off uh, by asking this simple question. I've made it into two questions now, uh, but they're both getting at the same thing. I usually ask, how has God worked in your life this week? What, what, what positive things? How, how has God blessed you this week? And then the second question is, is how, what is God teaching you this, this week or, or most recently? And I do that intentionally because I want to start our prayer time off not with just saying, pray for these illnesses, pray for these uh, issues that are going on in people's lives. We'll get to that, uh, and rightfully so, but we start with saying, God, we recognize who you are. We recognize the blessings that you give to us. We recognize recognize the power that you have, and we recognize that as we come to you in prayer, that we come to you because you are the one that is over our lives and over creation, uh, and what we cannot do, you can do, and so we are dependent upon you. So I start with those two questions, really to get at the heart of what Jesus is saying to do here in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. We recognize who he is and how he's working in our lives because he is holy and he is perfect. That's helping us to understand this third commandment of not taking the Lord God's name in vain, not lessening the value of who God is and what God does. Uh, going back to Proverbs, uh, Old Testament passage, Solomon writing, learning from his father David, passing it on to his son, uh, he said, "...the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge." Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So if you want to start off on a good point of understanding who God is, you've got to fear God. That's where knowledge starts. It doesn't start with getting into a book and reading or asking questions of somebody else. It ultimately starts with saying, God, you are on the throne. God, you are creator. You are sustainer. Um, you are in control of all of life. And so I'm going to fear you. I'm going to revere you. Uh, and therefore, I can start to truly learn how to put things in place. And that fear is not a fear of God's wrath upon us, but it's a fear of respect and reverence. We recognize that God has that power, that he can, as he did back in Noah's day, he can wipe out all of earth and start things all over again. We're told in Revelation that one day um, this earth will be gone and he will recreate it. Uh, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, so we know he has that power. We know that's part of God's ultimate plan. Uh, and so we, we know that the wrath of God is real. But as a believer in him, as somebody who trusts in him, we come before him recognizing his love and grace that works into that uh, and how he is going to work in our lives. So yes, we fear his wrath, but we also respect and adore him because of his love and his grace and his mercy as we truly relate to him. That's at the heart of this third commandment. Don't take the Lord your God's name in vain. Don't lessen God's name um, by the words you use and by the way you live your life. As we think about this and as we wrap up uh, this, this study here together on this uh, third uh, commandment here, this third beautiful boundary, uh, 
Ultimately, what God is saying is, I want you to recognize my glory. We oftentimes talk about the fact that when we respect God as we ought to, uh, that uh, we, we recognize that everything is for His glory uh, and His good, but then we also ultimately recognize that it's also for our good. Uh, that word glory uh, is really the opposite of, of the word vain. Uh, in the Hebrew, it's the word kabod, uh, and it means something that is weighty, something that, that is, is actually a burden. It has uh, meat to it. It's solid. It's, it's, it's uh, that silly illustration I used a few moments ago about the uh, candy shell, uh, chocolate shell that has nothing in it as opposed to the solid chocolate. Uh, well, that solid chocolate, you can just pick it up and you can tell right away uh, if this is just shell or if this is, has some meat to it, has some weight to it. Uh, that word kabod actually has, says, says that God's glory has weight to it. Uh, there's actually, uh, is going to cause you to feel um, his presence. And then the Greek word is do- doxa, which is where we get our word doxology from. Uh, and again, it has the same kind of connotation to it. It's something that has weight to it, but it also has uh, the connotation of greatness and honor with it. So what we're studying here and learning in this third commandment, he says, don't take my name in vain. Don't make my name useless or worthless in the way that you live your life and the words that you speak, but use my name with with weight, with glory, uh, with with power. Uh, God is helping us to see and understand how we truly need to worship him, how we need to come before him. Uh, And and this is not just about, again, it's not just about uh, vulgar words that we use um, and even misusing God's name. We need to be very careful with how we speak his name. Again, sometimes for some people, we are the reflection, the only reflection they see of God. We're not God ourselves, but uh, they look at us and they say, well, you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ, you are representing God. God says that we are his ambassadors. So how are we spreading his name. Are we good ambassadors? Uh, He says, if you're going to live within the boundaries I've set for you, don't take my name in vain. Make sure that the words you speak as you speak of me directly and and even indirectly as you live for me, uh, directly and indirectly, because everything we do is a reflection of our belief and trust in God. He says, don't take my name in vain. Don't devalue who I am, but hold me up and show my value, show my worth, not only to you personally, but to the world around you. Uh, That's at the heart of what this third commandment is teaching us to do here, to honor God, to show His glory. Uh, And when we do that, uh, again, He gets the glory, we get the benefits uh, from that as we live within this beautiful boundary. Uh, We'll pick up uh, Fourth Commandment next week, uh, but I hope and pray that this has been an encouragement to you uh, as we go about uh, all that we say and all that we do. Uh, Let's truly honor God's name uh, this week uh, in the words we use and in the lives that we live uh, for Him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this commandment and uh, the admonition to not take your name in vain, to not lessen who you are in any way. Uh, Lord, we fall short of that. We recognize that because we are finite and we are sinful. Uh, So, Father, I pray that you'll give us wisdom in knowing when we do that. 
uh, and help us to truly lift you up, to bring glory and honor uh, to you uh, so that uh, others can see that and, and know that and understand that. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace and the way you work with us and in us and through us. So help us to take to heart the teaching, the truth of this third commandment uh, as we seek to worship you and honor you uh, as you truly deserve and what will be ultimately be best for us. So, Father, we pray these things in your most holy name. Amen.